focused on the pressing and emerging needs in human resources and learning and talent development. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Now, here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, I'm so excited about our guest, Bev Kay, and the topic of engaging, developing, and retaining employees. Bev is the author of many successful books, including my personal favorite, Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And her most recent book is Up Is Not the Only Way, Rethinking Career Mobility. She is an internationally recognized authority on talent development, engagement, and retention. In addition to being a prolific speaker and author, she consults on career development and retaining talent. Welcome, Bev. Thank you. Glad to be here. You have devoted your career and written extensively about becoming more satisfied at work, retaining top talent, developing talent, and most recently, career mobility. How did you come to be such a passionate advocate for engaging, developing, and retaining employees? You know, I think it really started with an interest in careers and and career choice. In another life, I was a college dean, and I worked at schools that I could never have gotten into. They were elite schools, and I was the dean of housing or the dean of students. And, you know, I watched these brilliant kids say to themselves, if I'm an A student, I'm attending an A school, there will be an A line I stand in, and I'll be handed an A life. And they found that that just wasn't it all the time. They never had uh, contingency plans. So when something went wrong in their plan, they were like lost. And I realized that we all need contingency plans for our careers. And I just had that in the back of my mind. And I had a chance to go back to UCLA to work on my doctorate. It was really around the study of change. And I chose career development. Now, this was in the 70s. So no one was really talking about it from an organizational perspective. My wonderful friend and mentor, Richard Bowles, had produced What Color Is Your Parachute? And he was talking about it from the individual perspective. For my dissertation, and it was not an easy job, I did what's called phenomenological research, (laughs) which means you you study a phenomenon. And when you collect all your data, you see if there's a theory that connects all the interviews you've done. And I failed my doctoral orals twice before I finally came up with the quote unquote theory. And I think uh, it started me on a, a totally different path than I think I ever would have thought of for myself. The result of that research turned into a book that was published by Prentice Hall 
that I titled Up Is Not The Only Way. And it was an, an OD approach to career development, a, a systems approach. And only one chapter was really on the idea of Up Is Not The Only Way. And no one was doing much in the field. And so in a way, I became the grandma of career development. I think you were the mother first, because when mother, I met good. you, you were the mother. Thank you. And, <laughs> Thank you. And, and one of the things I loved about your book and the research that you've done is, as you said, this whole systems approach. So I know you and your team work with my team and our talent group at McDonald's Corporation, and we were really trying to help people take more ownership of their own career. And I love this piece that you said about contingency plans. And it's really cool to understand how it evolved when you were the dean and and seeing these students who wanted things given to them. And I think a lot of employees start with companies and think that their career is going to take off and that their leader is going to own that. And I loved working with you and your team and helping people to own their own development and whether that was growing in their current job or moving laterally which in many people's minds wasn't what they wanted to do at that time so i love that you have created this niche and you definitely are seen as an expert in this space that's great and giving you know i have to say i love that you're using the word love (laughs) because my other book love or lose them was a big seller And it's interesting how we have really brought love into the workplace. I mean, you've got to love what you do uh, because you do it for so many hours every day. When you mentioned a a systems approach, I know in, in my gut that there are three stakeholders if you really want to make change in an organization. It is the individual who is the spark. I call this my three S model. And that individual has to be the spark. And the manager is the support, not the answer machine, Mm -hmm. but the support. And the organization provides the structure and the systems. And remember at McDonald's, all three systems were involved. And that was what made it such a good success. It's not always like that in many other organizations. Yeah. No, I love those three S's. And I think to our audience, you know, HR and our talent leaders and learning leaders is to really think about, do you have those in place? And for the managers that are in charge of their teams, you know, how can you create that spark with your employees? How do you support your employees? And do you have the right structure and systems in place? And, and for the individual, you know, to know that right. they need to ignite their own career and ask their manager for support and, and to have those conversations and to understand the structure and systems. There are so many organizations that I've been blessed to interact with that have fabulous systems and, and support. And sometimes I'm not sure that their employees know all those resources right. are available. Right. And, and, you know, we put up that 3S model and we said, what percentage of your attention, if you have 100% to divide between those three, where is the biggest attention? 
And often it's either heavy on the systems. Sometimes it's heavy on managers. Rarely is it equally heavy on the individual side. And I think things have shifted. And not that it's 33 and a third for each now, but everyone seems to be more um, involved than ever. And, and that's the secret to having a successful culture change. And, and so thinking about shifting, and the world has shifted a little bit, um, how has your work evolved as our job market has shifted from a place where people used to be able to just build a successful career at one or even two companies to now where people are routinely hopping from company to company? That seems more like the standards. So how does that affect the work that you and your team do? I have this image in my work around careers of giving people um, a framework, um, a framework that they is easy and they don't forget, and in a way, handing it to them in a backpack. So they put the backpack on their back, and wherever they go, they know it's these five steps to manage my own career. And I'm going to do something with that analogy because it is a backpack. Mm -hmm. I love that analogy. um, And what we taught and still teach for years is it's five words, all of which start with a P. It's who am I as a person? What is the perspective others have of me? How is my place of work changing? What are the possibilities for me in the future? And what's my action plan? And I've used that, you know, from my original research all these years. I've given them sexier names and et cetera. But it's that kind of thinking that I think needs to be in every individual's backpack. So they could move from company to company and continually manage their own career. And I think back to just even college students and they're getting out of, you know, the the college uh, environment. Wow, it'd be nice for them to be armed with that. You know, what a great targeted audience that schools should be going right. after and helping them because exactly. you think about how many of the jobs are changing and people are going right. into schools with these majors and then things are evolving and changing. And if they don't adapt and change, they could come out with a degree exactly. without a job. Higher education is bringing this kind of thinking into their freshmen. So you really start to think about what do I want to build? And what do I want to build if that building tumbles, et cetera? MBA schools are starting to teach that. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, very much needed. So why do you think there is this need for this backpack? You know, why do you think that job hopping is so widely spread now? You know, it's interesting. You gave me a sense of what some of your questions were, but that one, I asked my millennial executive assistant. I said, why do your friends job hop? Hoping, of course, that she never job hops. (laughs) I love it. 
she's been with me nine years and I'm, you know, chaining her here. But she said some interesting things. She said, one, it's our attention span. We get bored faster. My daughter used to say to me, mom, can you unboard me? <laughs> you know, as if somebody else could. And I think people have to learn how to unboard themselves by thinking, what new do I have to learn? You know, what's out there? And, um, and she said, there's also an abundance of opportunities so that it's easier now. Yeah. It's easier than it ever has been to find another job. And she also said, we were never taught really the art of thinking through our career. So a hop to the next job just seemed to make sense. And I think she's right. And I want to stop the job hopping. It's why I wrote Up Is Not The Only Way. Because I think there are jobs to hop to right within your own organization. And we just have to publicize that more. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that really helped when Sheryl Sandberg wrote the book about women and not opting out, and you can and should be looking at your job more as a jungle gym, going around right. in different places instead of going straight up the ladder. And I think about right. the, the leaders that I've coached and I worked with that have had a broader career and they've done a variety of things, their ability to network, to connect with other people, to show empathy. I mean, so many things because they haven't had that narrow path. And, you know, the reality is companies are flattening. So there's not as much of that upward mobility, but to be able to take a risk and get out of your comfort zone and learn a new department and build additional resources. I'm hoping that more and more of our workforce gets excited about doing that. Absolutely. And you know, the metaphor I use is a climbing wall. In the book, Help Them Grow, we use that metaphor. And my co-author and I actually went to a climbing wall a couple of times. And it's not easy. Oh, no. You you have choices. Do you want to stretch to that yellow peg or do you want to take a smaller step to that red peg? And the choices are all there. And I never see a climber go straight up. And I think if you interviewed anybody in an organization, any leader, and say, were each of your moves straight up? I doubt anyone would say yes. But there's this cloud out there that says, up, 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 up. And if I can't get promoted, meaning up, um, then I'm a loser. And I like to say to leaders, promotion is only one way to promote your employee's career. And we have to think of other ways. And that's what I've been screaming from the rooftops 
ever since the dissertation 40 years ago. <laughs> and it's still not done. Right. It's still very much needed, that advice, that coaching, that re reinforcement. Right. I love that analogy, though, the climbing wall. That's so cool. It, it's so interesting. You brought that up just last year was my very first time doing a climbing wall. And I found myself feeling like at first I wanted to go up and up was way too hard. I had to stretch yes. too much. And those little pegs and going to the side and feeling like there was some movement. I wasn't where I started, but I had made some accomplishments uh, really relates to career development. I love, love that. Wow. Let's think about these companies that might be losing top talent because they're not doing some of the things. What are the biggest mistakes that you see companies making that are costing them some top talented individuals? You know, this, this is costs nothing, I think, and means everything. And it is, are you noticing your talent? And are you speaking about what you notice? And are you having conversations? And are you listening? Many years ago, I wrote a little three-step process that just came back to me. And it said, all we have to do is recognize, verbalize, and mobilize. Recognize someone loving what they're doing or someone having a real problem with what they're doing. Notice it, say it, check it out, recognize, or verbalize, hey, you know, whenever you do this particular work, I can feel the energy drain from your body. What about it is so draining? And once you hear the answer, then if you can, mobilize. Let's talk about some things we could do to either add energy to that task that's so draining for you, or maybe there's someone else for whom that task is invigorating, and let's make a switch. So it's recognize, verbalize, and mobilize. And maybe it's that simple. I love how you break things down and just make them more simplistic because they're so relevant and really can resonate with people. So just terrific advice for our leaders. Simple and engaging so people can understand it, absorb it, and then use it. So I love, right. love it. Great. So how much does an individual leader or manager have on whether a person is going to be satisfied and you know, be retained. We keep hearing people don't leave companies, they leave managers. Do you buy into that? I absolutely do. And, you know, when McKinsey came out with their book, I think in 99, called The War for Talent, and they did all these surveys and they said exactly that quote, people don't leave organizations, they do leave managers. My co-author on Love Em or Lose Em and I said, everybody's saying it's the manager, comma, stupid, but no one is saying to the manager, how do you do this? What's the how? We get the what, now what's the how? So when we wrote Love Em or Lose Em, 
we gave managers 26 how-tos. So each chapter in Love Them is a letter in the alphabet. That was our best way to organize it. A is for ask. Ask your people why they stay. Before you say to them, please don't go. (laughs) I think it's that simple. If I feel valued, if I feel recognized, if I feel noticed, I'm going to stay. If my manager treats me well, I think that's what people really want. And people will give up a, a better job with more dollars for a manager who they believe, believes in them, values them, and is growing them. And I, I will underline that a hundred times. We recently did a podcast with two just brilliant professors, uh, Brooks and David, and they've done a lot of research on why people quit companies. And their two things came down to embeddedness and if there is a life event or a shock event that makes them reevaluate. And I think about embeddedness and what you're saying, how your Uh, tips and your research and the proven success stories that you share really brings together that embeddedness. Because as you said, if a person feels value and they're treated well, and they've got that great rapport with their manager, they're going to feel like they're embedded in part of that job. And it's going to be harder to walk away. And managers have such power that I don't think they're always leveraging. Exactly. Embeddedness is all about inclusion. And engagement is all about inclusion. So it all reinforces uh, each other. You know, I call it job fit. Uh, Job fit means I'm using the skills I feel good about and I want to be using. The job is congruent with my values. And the job supports my interests. Uh, skills, interests, and values makes for job fit. And that's my way of talking about job embeddedness. So they are right on. Yeah. And I love how your books and I've seen some of your videos online back to you just make it simplistic to understand, absorb, and to put into practice. So for all of our listeners, if you've not read Bev's books, go out and get one. You're going to really benefit and managers, wow, you could up your game just by implementing a few of those uh, success strategies. Great. That's great. Well, let's turn and talk a little bit more about your most recent book and career mobility, because I think this is so important for people to better understand and to embrace and to see as a positive as far as moving other places than just up. Career mobility means you have to have what I call career leverage, leverage in your career. And if you sit down with your employee and you're stumped on how to talk about their plans, just write out L-E-V-E-R-R and L stands for lateral, E stands for enrich- enrichment, V stands for vertical, 
The second E stands for exploratory. And the first R stands for realignment. And the last R for relocation. So we gave those six moves or six choices, uh, sexier names in that book. But it's all about looking at choices so that I'm not just putting all my eggs in one basket. That's a, a wonderful way to, to help people think about, you know, when you're going up, that is kind of one direction. But if that doesn't work out, what's your backup or what's your contingency plan? You started talking about, you know, helping people have contingency plans. And that's where by having these other opportunities to move around, uh, will help them have more choices. And, you know, I love when I get a chance to coach a leader and they are being talked about by top leadership for a couple different positions. And they're talking about, you know, if I go this route, here's something I could do if I go this other route. And I think by being more open and vocal that you would do something else or be uh, engaged and energized by doing that really can start to open the possibilities. Unfortunately, some people still, you know, unless they're moving up, they feel like they're not, uh, you know, progressing. And I've coached some people who are ready to jump ship because they didn't get that promotion and now they want to go somewhere else. Partly it's reinforced or we imagine it's reinforced by others. If others don't see my title changing, if I come home and... You know, the paycheck hasn't increased because I've moved. But, you know, we just have to think about it in in these different ways. What I am pushing now in in my work is the idea, it's an old idea of job enrichment. How do I grow right where I am? We only want to get out of where I am and onto the next And maybe the next is right in front of my eyeballs. And it usually is. And I also think it's a different way of thinking of where your career is going to go. At the beginning of this year, we had a podcast guest, Janice, and she's a globally recognized headhunter. She helps put people in the C-suite on company boards And she said one of the things she talks to an individual about before she even thinks about placing them is what jazzes them up and gets them excited? What do they love to do? What's their purpose? And I think that's important for people to take that reflection time and for managers to coach people. And you mentioned it already is, you know, if you're not in the right spot in an organization, you know, hopefully a manager would sense that, see that, see that you're bringing value and move you. But I think it's really important. And I hear that more and more from both managers, you know, industry experts, you know, saying to people, what do you want to do? What, do, you know, what's right. your purpose instead of starting right. with where are the jobs and, and how can you get there? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I have a friend, uh, a good friend who owns a uh, executive recruiting company. We held a retention convention and I, my clients and uh, several speakers and I had her speak from the recruiting point of view and and she said first of all let me tell you I'll never forget this I'm not a head hunter I'm a heart hunter and if you all in organizations 
don't take care of people's hearts, you will lose their heads. And I thought, wow, that makes so much sense. And she said, when we get a candidate, and she's at the executive levels, she looks at their background and we say, wow, you did this and tell me more about that. And how did you manage this? And, you know, this is so impressive. And, and if they don't hear that kind of comment in their own organization, she can woo them away pretty easily as the hiring manager can too. Super, super in- insightful and really hits the point in regards to finding that right fit for people so they feel connected, they feel fulfilled, and for the company to really get that person's best energy, you know, for them to show up with them whole self because it's what they want to do. I love that, being a heart hunter. Wow, this has just been great information and just so many wonderful tips and great advice for our audience. And I've taken so many notes and things I want to go back and personally just uh, absorb at a higher level. Um, One thing I love to do is ask my guest is, who's the one person maybe from your past who has had the greatest influence on you? And you wouldn't be where you are today without that person's impact. You know, I absolutely have one person in mind and she's written a couple books. She passed away, gosh, over 30 years ago. Diane, I'm assigning you to find these books and read them. So her name is Alice Sargent Mm -hmm. and Alice wrote The Androgynous Manager and she wrote Beyond Sex Roles. And I met her at the very beginning of my kind of HR career. And she became a very good friend uh, and a mentor. And she cheered me on. And she introduced me to people. And she um, read my work and, and gave me ideas. I'm still in touch with her daughter because Alice died when her daughter, one daughter was a freshman in college. And it was very sad because they were very close. And Alice's words, I was just talking to her daughter recently. Those two books need to be republished. The Androgynous Manager and Beyond Sex Roles. I've got to do something about that because they are exactly what we need to be thinking about now. Even the word androgynous in this whole movement about he, she, they, you know, she was three decades ahead of her time. She was very important in my career. Anyone out there who's listening, if you look her up, um, you'll smile as you read her books. S-A-R-G-E-N-T. No, thank you for sharing. I will definitely look that up. You are just the adamant, inspiring um, leader who helps people learn. Because every time I talk to you, I write down and I buy another book or two. So thank you for sharing. (laughs) 
So what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? I would say, tell your story and get the people you're coaching to listen to everybody's story of how they got to where they are. Because it's embedded in those stories that I think we get the best life lessons. I think I'd also say gather your own support group. I mean, what if a group of talent champions came together once a month and championed each other? I have some of those groups in my life and I don't think I would be where I am without that. Uh, Last weekend, I met with a a group of about 25 uh, people that I've been meeting with for 23 years. And everybody is a, uh, an author or a thought leader. And we've been getting together for all those years and teaching each other. And we all have different specialties, but we were having an interesting discussion about what's kept us together for so long. And it is the uh, learning and, and being filled up with, with new ideas. So I think to be a talent champion, you have to have your own group of talent champions supporting you and who you support. Awesome advice. I love that. And I don't think we do enough as far as sharing our stories and listening to other people's stories. Like you said, you really can get to know a person and you feel heard when somebody's asking about what you've done and how you've gotten to your role or a story about your past. And I'm a huge, huge supporter like you. My success has been founded by having some really smart people in my network that have helped me, uh, been there, supported me, and, you know, I've supported them. So this support group, can't plug that enough. So fabulous advice. How can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more? I have a website, and it's just bevk.com. I don't think I'm a, a, a coach like people who have been trained to do coaching, but I'm a great guide. So I want to do more of that while I continue my uh, keynote speeches, you know, etc. So come visit, come to the website, come see what I'm saying about myself. Well, you leave a huge, huge footprint and so many resources that are carrying on your work in organizations. And I love that, you know, you're not getting out of this business. You're still helping and coaching other people and being a guide and being a wonderful thought partner. You give fabulous advice and you have such a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I, it's been such a pleasure having you as a guest. And I thank you so much for your willingness to continue to share, continuing to coach people like me that call you up and just run ideas by you. It's just been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. 
Here's a summary of the key points to take away from today's episode. Career development needs to be a three-way partnership between the individual, the manager or leader, and the broader organization. The individual provides the spark, the manager gives the support, and the organization offers the structure and systems needed for people to advance. Does your organization have all three in place? Managing your own career is a framework that Bev likens to a backpack that you take from role to role and place to place. The framework includes five P's. One, who am I as a person? Two, what is the perspective others have of me? Three, how is my place of work changing? Four, what are the possibilities for me in the future? And five, what's my action plan? Millennials have been characterized as a generation of job hoppers, and we've discussed some of these stereotypes in past episodes. In consultation with her millennial executive assistant, Bev offers some reasons for this trend. Some have to do with attention spans, but also she's cited the ease of changing jobs and finding new opportunities in today's marketplace, as well as a lack of education about the art of thinking through a career. One antidote to job hopping may be lateral moves within the same organization. We need to shift the mindset around this topic. Many people have been trained to believe that an upward move is the only sign of progress, and in the reality of people's long careers and due to organizations being more flat, this simply isn't true or available. Instead of the image of a career ladder, think of a rock climbing wall. Sometimes you have to move sideways or even step down in order to keep going up towards your ultimate goal. One of the biggest mistakes Bev sees companies making when it comes to retention efforts is failing to notice their talent and act on what they're noticing. Recognize when people love what they're doing or when they're struggling. Verbalize that recognition and then mobilize to change as needed. When people feel valued and recognized by their direct managers, they're more likely to stay in the job. Bev says that people will decline a better job with more money if they have a manager who believes in them and is helping them grow. On our website, Bev has provided a tool to help you be a better manager by building the habit of career conversations. Visit the episode 30 page on talent-champions.com to download a whole month's worth of questions to get you engaging with your team on these topics and even help you examine your own career ambitions. Enabling career mobility means not putting all of your eggs in one basket. You may think you're going one way, but you need a backup plan in the event that that doesn't work out. Examine the possible routes and be vocal about your preferences. For your long-term career development, form a support group of similar people who can encourage each other. Tell your story and encourage others to share theirs. We can get the best life lessons by listening to the ways other people got to where they are today. Bev has written several books that I strongly recommend for additional reading. She also recommends Alice Sargent's books, which are out of print, but available as used copies or reprints on Amazon. We'll include the links to all of the recommended reading on the episode page of our website, talent-champions.com. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you'll come back for our next episode in two weeks when we're shifting gears to talk about practicing HR leadership in the public sector. Please like, rate, and subscribe to the Talent Champions podcast on your podcast player. It really helps us serve more people with our content. If you'd like to receive an email notification when the next episode is released, sign up on our website, talent-champions.com. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.